In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive subjects like mental health and suicide, which may be distressing to some listeners. If you are struggling with your mental health, help is available to you with services such as Lifeline at 13 11 14, Beyond Blue at 1300 22 46 36, and Kids Helpline at 1800 55 1800. You're listening to a Sim Media podcast. In a world of iconic rips, immortal solos, the highest notes, and the most guttural growls, the debate of the greats has raged on for decades. And we settle them here. This is the Great Metal Standoff. Thank you very much, voiceover guy. Ladies and gentlemen of the rock and roll, punk, prog, hardcore, thrash, and heavy metal community, my name is Jason Evans, and this is the Great Metal Standoff, the podcast that pits music's greatest albums in track by track combat. Alright, everybody, welcome back to Grunge Month. This is the fourth installment of Grunge Month, mind you. And the fourth installment is a battle that Jacob and Salome of the Moshpit on Sin team have campaigned for. And plus, in previous podcasts, we have had all of our guests make predictions for today's outcome. We are going to see how much our great nation Australia had to offer to the grunge sound, even if it was in its dying days. To do this, we are quite quite literally going to look to the youth seen at the time as the debut album of Newcastle band Silverchair Frogstomp, who at the time of release were 15 years old. And it is going to go one-on-one with Pearl Jam's sophomore album, their second release, Versus. The reasoning for this pairing is better explained by the two who pitched this battle. So let's not waste any time and get to it. Here are the rules to the battle. Number one, every album battle will be consisted in track-by-track format by our podcast panel. Each individual panellist will select a winner of each pairing. The winning track receives a point to that individual's tally score. Tracks on albums that go uncontested can receive a tally point if a panellist awards it a gold star. That rule will play into effect later today. Once the battle is over, the album with the highest tally score will receive one grand point for that album. If a panellist tally score results in a draw, both albums will receive a half grand point each. And finally, the album with the most grand points will be declared the winner. And here we go. Frog Stomp versus versus. That's not quite alliteration, not quite rhyming, and it's going to get your tongue tied but we're going to get used to it as we go along. Let's get straight to it. Roll the audio. Jacob Salmo, you're back in the arena, aren't you? That we are. That we are. How are we yes. all? I'm excited for this one. Um, I think for the first time, is the last time Jacob and I met was for a very difficult battle between 10, Nevermind and Dirt. Whereas this one, I think both of us are a little more decided but on very different scales. 
Very much so. I, I, um, I think as I mentioned before, 10, I feel like I want to get some more uh, love for Pearl Jam in there. So, Yes, this is actually, uh, I should probably make it a little bit uh, uh, common knowledge here. Frog Stomp versus Versus was explicitly both your idea. It was Jacob and Salome's idea and presented this one to me because I think it was essentially Salome said, we have to have silver chair if we're going to do a grunge month. <laughs> Ex- yeah. Explain your reasoning for that. Well, I think something we've been discussing for the majority of the grunge month metal standoffs is what even is grunge? Because it is this subgenre of rock and punk and metal that only stayed around for a very specific period. And for the most part, when we're talking about artists like Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, they all have that connection of being from Seattle, which we kind of spoke about the first time we all came together. Silverchair, of course, are not from Seattle. They're from Newcastle in Australia. Um, But I think a combination of where they are from and when they hit the scene 1994, shortly after Kurt Cobain passed, there was no denying that grungy element to their music. And then Daniel Johns with this scraggly blonde hair and baby blue eyes, he did have a little bit of a resemblance to Cobain, which the industry didn't miss that. Uh, to the point that Kurt's widow, Courtney Love, said, oh, the kid from Silverchair looks like my dead husband and sings like Eddie Vedder, how lame, which we all know an insult from Courtney Love. It's kind of like an insult from the Gallaghers. It's a sign that you've made it. And then... From here, the band was given nicknames like Nirvana in Pajamas, Sound Kindergarten, (laughs) Um, kind of like a nod to the youthful innocence, but their grungy sound. And then, of course, Newcastle is a very industrial city. It's home to the world's largest coal exporting harbour, the Port of Newcastle. And Seattle, of course, is a key seaport city for the Pacific Northwest of America. So even though they're not from Seattle as well, I guess they're from an area in Australia that it was very appropriate to bring that gritty sound of music to uh, because it is quite industrial. And Daniel Johns talked about how being into music and art, he really didn't feel like he fit in with that industrial stereotype of where he was from in Newcastle. So if grunge was going to kind of dive in anywhere, it's a good spot to do it. And it was Mm. because of this compelling case is why we have Silverchair on the Great Metal Standoff Grunge Month right here, right now. But all that was needed was a formidable opponent. And Jacob was the reason why we suggested Versus. He he wanted to make... Jacob, you were certain to make it a Pearl Jam album. Explain your thinking when the Silverchair pitch was made. So initially I was tossing up whether or not to make it Fatology or uh, Versus. And I went to the idea of, okay, which of them is uh, more similar to how Silverchair got, again, that reputation as... Solomon said it wasn't looked upon overly heavily at points uh, in grunge. Uh, It's very much the same for Versus as uh, Pearl Jam after 10 had been seen as selling out um, and changing a lot of what they did. And they, as much as it was a very, very successful album, uh, it wasn't received amazingly well by the public. Uh, And for that reason, I think it's a little bit underrated, but I also think it's a very fair, um, if anything, eclectic kind of mix to go up against um, Frogstomp the debut album of people who wrote that album aged 14 and 15. What were you Makes all you doing like when you were 14 and 15? Cause that, that, that I've really had to take into account with my thinking on the, on that album. It makes you feel like you've achieved subtle. I remember when I was about nine years old, I'm like, well, Silverchair got their first uh, song out when they were 14. I'll do it when I'm 13. And here I am 25 and I've not done that. <laughs> <laughs> my garage band in high school had one song that we did nothing with. <laughs> so, no, I, I, 
I feel that completely. I remember uh, when I played my first performance uh, in front of anyone on guitar, I was 14. I got back from it. My dad was talking about Silverchair and how they made it big at the age of 14. I'm just sitting there going, cool. All right. I feel good about myself. Thanks for that. <laughs> they retired makes- at 31. They had five <laughs> albums between 14 and 31. It's not fair. <laughs> oh, you got you to feel for the guys too. They get thrusted onto a global stage that young, that quickly. And they've, I can't, I, I can't, I can't follow up that sentence. It's just such a, I'm not, is it, is it fair to say exception to the rule or just a once in a lifetime occurrence? Or I, that's a very tough com- thing to say, but I, mm. I feel for, I, if I was 15, I'd feel, for, I feel for those guys knowing that how much they went through at that young age with that much success. Kudos to them. They've made good music, but goodness me. It even gets to the point where you watch interviews with uh, Ben Gillies, the drummer nowadays, and he, he kind of turns around and says, like, you know, we all stayed very humble, but now, you know, in my, I think he's in his 40s now, he's like, I can turn around and say, we were a bloody good band and not, there's not even any arrogance to it. It's just like the fact of the matter. I, it'd be strange being able to reflect on yourself like that at 40 and it not being an arrogance thing, it being a purely pure truth, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Very much well. so. Well, I think it's time to get to the meat of this. So, so we're starting off with the uh, the debut album of Silverchair, the the Newcastle teenagers, Frog Stomp, going up against the second album of Pearl Jam, succeeding uh, Ten, which was, uh, of course, as Jack had mentioned, Versus. We've just explained the preamble. Uh, when you were when I pitched when you pitched me the album Battle, what were your predictions going in? Did you think it was close? Do you think it was a no contest? Will mm. we see a draw today? This is a tough one because it's, um, I, I'm actually a huge fan of Versus and I think as I said before, it's a very eclectic mix, uh, very different sounds in there. Whereas Silverchair got a lot of things right, right off the bat. And I do wonder whether or not that's going to affect where I sit on certain things. So at the moment, I think I'm leaning towards Pearl Jam, but uh, it could go either way. Well, for me, I, I have to do a disclaimer at the start. It is my favourite band of all time. The album means a heck of a lot to me. Uh, It came out the year after I was born. So, of course, I listened to it a lot growing up as a kid. So, for me, it could be fairly one-sided. However, that's not to knock verses off. I I love verses. It has some of my favourite Pearl Jam songs on it. So, it's a really interesting pair to put up against each other. And I think you articulated that really well, Jacob, in that Frog Stomp kind of, it sounds more more the same from start to finish whereas versus it's it's like there's elements of funk groove everything buried in there so it'll be interesting to see jason like who you might be looking like a deciding vote today which is uncommon sometimes when you're the host normally you're the one perpetrating all these conflicts but no i think i might be the most objective one here so let's see how that goes i'm not too fussed about it this week i've had harder battles in the in the past but uh, I know when I say that I gesture over to the timekeeper, Jacob and Salma are going to get incredibly nervous. So, timekeeper, how are you feeling today? That's lovely. That's good to know. Uh, just as cold-hearted as I am. Great to hear. Guess what? It's our fourth installment of Grunge Month, my friend. Please, ring the bell. Fourth installment of Grunge Month begins. Thanks, timekeeper, for that. Let's start off with uh, Nirvana in Pajamas. First song of album one, Israel's Son, obviously Silverchair, versus Go. 
Pearl Jam. What can I say? What a better name and better start for an album. Uh, obviously, uh, as I mentioned before, this album had a bit of change uh, in how they went about it. They had a new drummer uh, and a new producer. These two helped a lot in the writing process for these songs. This song actually started out as a campfire jam. Uh, We're talking drummer, about Go uh, here? Yeah. Yep. Um, this started out as a campfire jam uh, with a Brucey's, uh, who was the drummer at the time, uh, very much just jamming in front of a campfire and the whole band clicked on it and went, yes, that's a song. And they made that into a song. And you can, it doesn't really show in how it sounds, but with how it sounds, I feel like it's the perfect get up, get into this. This is going to get you hyped for the rest of the album. Uh, this song gets you pumped very quickly. Uh, it starts with a very, very thick and crunchy uh, uh, bit of drums. It goes into a bit of silence before you get the uh, the rest of the song kicking in. Uh, Veda doing his best mumbly, rappy type of thing in the back. I'm not sure if he was doing that on purpose or just whatever. But um, it's it's such a fast-paced song. It feels simple. It's not. Um, it very much gets you in. Uh, I feel like the lyrics are almost literal. The uh, don't go on me. It's saying, hey stay come listen to this check this out uh you know this so this song is the perfect open to an album and look as much as i like israel's son i don't think it goes over me uh here for this one making mm. the decision immediately are we jacob uh unless Solomon can convince me all right like i said i think we should from here on in yeah, introduce like that asterisk thing that we've had for the last few weeks where we just Every, whatever's the winner, it's an asterisk because this because mm. our opinions do change very frequently, and we're just seeing it right here. But so, mate, let's see what you can do to convince both of us. Well, Jacob certainly made a compelling case. Um, I do want to say before I launch fully into the Israel Sun attack that I feel like Go and Israel Sun they start out somewhat similar. They both start with very crunchy bass lines, and when you listen to them back to back, in particular, like they're almost a similar sort of timing and tempo. Just Israel Sun is kind of a slower version of the same bass line, but Israel Sun it's it's a fan favorite for a reason. Uh, by the time I was old enough to start attending Silverchair concerts in 2003, it was the only song from Frogstomp they were actually still playing live. And I think the main reason for that is, for one, it really showcases Chris Joannou, the bass player, and for another, that put your hands in the air bit throughout that bridge. It's just the perfect thing to get the crowd going. And similarly with what Jacob has said about Go, I feel like it's the perfect album opener. Like, put your hands in the air, get ready, let's get into it. This is going to be a good one. Um, and I think... It's worth noting as well that Chris Joannou, he only learned the bass guitar in three months just so he could join the band. He was actually a trumpet player prior to joining the Innocent Criminals who went on to become Silverchair, a.k.a. Nirvana in pyjamas. Thanks, Jason, for that. <laughs> humble beginnings. Um, humble beginnings for sure. Um, the song did come under a little bit of scrutiny in an American legal battle. Um, a young man did commit a series of violent crime and the lawyer tried to frame the song for inspiring it to which the band brutally rebuffed. Daniel Johns was making it very clear at this point of his career that for the most part his songwriting wasn't actually about himself or his own experiences. It was a lot of what he was watching on television and Israel Sun was one of those songs of something that he saw on the TV. Uh, but I think even though he's not writing about himself he does 
put a lot of himself into the way that he sings it. It's very, you know, there's a lot of passion and all controversy aside, it's just a brilliant song. Uh, it's one of my favorite bass lines of all time. And it's kind of exactly what you would expect from a bunch of 14 and 15 year olds jamming only much, much better. Hmm. Okay. You've both been highlighting the bass lines. Here's how I saw it. Israel's son starts with a fuzzy bass line. Go starts with a funky bass. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to your point, Jacob, there, it is a fast, frenetic start for Go. Israel's son, because it's the first time I ever really tried diving into Silverchair at the request of both of you. First thing I wrote down about Daniel Johns, vocalist sounds like a mix of Kurt Cobain, Eddie Vedder, and get this, Scott Stapp, the Creed singer. <laughs> hmm. There you go. What an interesting mix. It's a weird hybrid, that, and I didn't know what to think of it at the time. But, uh, it kind of worked. <laughs> would it kind of work? I feel like it would. <laughs> it's, I must admit, yes, I'm sure that is a compliment being compared to those three singers at age 15. But uh, you've both given compelling cases. Still conflicted me. Okay, let's talk about that chorus in Go. How Veta uh, lets out the... Uh, don't go on me. That part, that that one held note is one of the best ways to introduce someone to an album. Remember, if you've got to imagine you're showing this to someone for the first time and you're going, hey, check this out because this is the first thing they hear. I know if I was hearing a song for the first time, I would prefer to hear Go, something that catches me, something that you know I'm going to lean into. Whereas Israel's Son, I think it's a great song, don't get me wrong. But I think it's one of those songs that you don't appreciate until the second or third time actually listening to it. Whereas Go is very, 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 very catchy. Okay. Did we just have a hot take? Maybe. To, to play devil's advocate, Go is very frenetic and it's fun. No, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Jacob, but Israel Sun's probably the heaviest of Frog Stomp. It's definitely mm. a cruncher. Mm. I've, yeah, I mean, I can't say any better than that, that it's a cruncher. Um, and... But like, there's a reason that they were still playing it, even when they were kind of over that album. Like, it just it gets people going and put your hands in the air. <laughs> <laughs> all right, where are we all going? Who's the uh, first I'm point? Go with go. Okay, go to Jacob. Israel's son to me. Hey dear, I think we're gonna start. I think this is the start of a theme here, where I'm gonna be a deciding <laughs> factor. <laughs> okay. This is probably where I think going into this, I, I've come to the conclusion that I'm the way I'm going to look at this and the way I'm going to give my points is which, which of these songs, but which of these songs by these bands am I going to listen to again? Which one's more likely? And <laughs> I, I think it's, Oh God, this is actually, this is tougher than I thought. Actually, this is tougher than I what thought. What's that about? This is going to be an easier battle. <laughs> One song in and we've got you. Come on, don't go on. <laughs> Joe up. I'll take Asterix, 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 asterix. I'll take go. Asterix, <laughs> asterix, asterix, asterix. It's a lot of asterixes. Yeah, there is a lot. That's a tough one. <laughs> They're both good starts. Israel's son's definitely top three off um, Frog Stomp. Go, that one's just an all-round good song. Not sure if it's top three. Maybe, maybe it is. We'll find out as we go along. But... Um, I'm sure this one would be very tough. Round two, this would be very tough, I think, for our guests here. Tomorrow versus Animal. 
Why are they I doing hate... this to me? <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that I hate the most because initially when listening to it and initially when I saw them line up, I went, okay, I love Animal, but Tomorrow is iconic for a reason. But at the Bef- same time, Animal is almost as iconic within Pearl Jam's sphere. Before you go on, Jacob, first thing I wrote in my notes for tomorrow, the intro predates Creed by five years. Pro- <laughs> The problem with that, the problem with that piece of writing there is that Creed's first album, My Own Prison, came out two years later. So a uh, bit inaccurate on that case, but uh, no, it's very Creedy. It's very pre-Creed. Is, is, is there a Creed theme starting here? I think it stops at that point, but we'll have to check. <laughs> uh, the first two songs, most definitely, but um, we'll have to find out as we go along. I think they do stop there, but unless unless I have puns later on, I don't know. I like a pun. Um, I don't know. I feel like I have to go ahead with the inevitable and make a disclaimer that I do think Animal is brilliant. And this is not like I, on paper, this was a very easy decision for me, but then I've gone, Oh no. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's aggressive, but it's articulated that anger and those emotions so well. Like I only wish I could do that with my own emotions, but like Jacob said tomorrow, it, it is iconic for a reason. It is the all-time favorite song for so many fans. Just, you know, it just takes it back to where everything started. It was, you know, three 14-year-old boys just jamming in Ben Gillies' garage, decided on a whim to enter a competition. They've submitted a demo of this song, which, by the way, you can actually listen to the original recorded version. They did, like, spruce it up a bit for the album. The original, it's kind of a lot more raw, and I actually really like going back and listening to that version. And they submitted it with a piece of torn off cardboard and a note that read, we're not hip hop or rap, we're rock. We love to write and live to play. Pick us, hear what we have to say. And the rest is history. Um, It's a little bit cheesy, but you know, what would you expect from a bunch of teenagers? Um, And I think Jacob kind of sealed the fate himself. He said that Animal was iconic in the sphere of Pearl Jam, whereas Tomorrow is just iconic. And then, you know, musically as well, it, the guitar works very intricate, uh, even if it's Creed-esque or pre-Creed. <laughs> I, uh, and, emphasis on the intro. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it goes from that intricate sort of melody in the verses and then very quickly changes pace to those more classic grungy riffs throughout the chorus. Um, so it's, it's really like peaks and troughs. It is. I hate, I hate to go against Animal, but I reckon I am going with... Tomorrow, don't put it down yet. I might change my mind. Asterix, asterix, asterix. Um, uh, as, as much as you don't like the guitar at the start, I actually think it's rather interesting. The beat throughout the whole song, very simple, if not catchy. Um, and something I think Silverchair struggles with a little bit in this album more than anything else uh, is the vocals feeling like they're battling against the instrumentals in parts. This song doesn't have that at all. Uh, I feel like the vocals completely complement everything and they very much flow super 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 well together um and this song does something i see a lot of songs from this time do very badly um and they manage to go from the softer part of the song the uh the intro and so on into the heavier parts of the song very smoothly and very very well that doesn't feel like it's jarring it doesn't feel like it catches you off guard at all you kind of expect it and i don't think look i'm sure if you was asked me when this had come out if i was old enough if I'd be sitting here going, oh, one of the most iconic songs I can think of, one of the most iconic lines from that is very hard to drink. 
it's such a weird song for that that line alone and that line catches me so much because it's just first listening this is a fun 47th listening song uh time listening this is a very very fun song so i'm gonna go with this but it's very very hard to look past animal at the moment because it is a very 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 funky song uh with a very strong uh beat um again more mumbly better which he does a lot in this album but i'm kind of okay with uh the bass is look i reckon the bass in this song is probably one of the best basses uh in all of music um all of music that's it that it's that good it's that good. Uh, the, I just wrote escalating because it does have that escalating feel to it. Mm, uh, I've got in my notes, the song is super boppy. It's a very easy song to find yourself just tapping along with as part of the funk with it. Even after the first chorus, it goes into a small breakdown. Uh, huh? And that break that breakdown, if that was the entire song, it would be, I dare say, the best song on this entire um, battle. The entire battle, you say? Would okay. breakdown. Like, their breakdowns cannot be understated. They're like... Mm. And it's across all of their work as well. It, it just seems to be something that they really specialise in as a band. Um, could be another hot take in the making, but they, they could do the breakdown uh, better than a lot of other artists of that time. I very much agree. Yeah, no, look, I don't even know if that's a hot take. I'd call that the correct take. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> my, my, yeah, I... my comparison came from... So this is probably a bit more of a link to previous podcasts I've done. But kind of like with Soundgarden, where I compared Mailman to a grittier Outshined, I kind of compared Animal to a grittier Even Flow, if that makes any sense. Just structurally, I guess. Jacob's, Jacob, I think, is bordering on calling it a hot take. But uh, I just thought it, it was track two. It had that groove to it. The first thing that popped in my head was like, ooh, a fun, uh, you know, a grittier version of Even Flow. Which, by the way, complimentary. Complete yeah, you said it in my mind, and I'm slipping over to, back to animals. So you, you mm. <laughs> am I? Am I solidifying your call to animal? Because I reckon I think con- that might be my final me. answer. You know, uh, I'll get. I'm still in the middle of these two. Either one of these could win. You could catch me on a different day, and it could be either two. So I'm going to give Salome one last chance, see if she can try and sway me over. I just think, which one would you rather get up in the pub and like and sing like tomorrow? Like you said, it, it's fun. It's it's cheeky, and I don't think it really comes across as cheeky when you first listen to it. But then when you go back over it and they're like, yeah, you're going to wait till tomorrow, fat boy. Like it's kind of exactly what you'd expect from a 14 year old, but it's so much fun and it's cheeky. But then you've, you know, Daniel Johns wrote those lyrics, watching a documentary about a rich guy being asked to go to the poor side of town and complaining about everything. So even though it's quite childish lyrically for that little line, it's kind of attacking the system in a way and those, those issues. So it's maturely immature. You mentioned how fun it was, how fun it would be to sing in a pub. And I mentioned that before with the whole hard to drink line. <laughs> it, that sells me on it. I could see myself probably singing this a thousand times before I'd sing Animal uh, in any sort of karaoke situation. This is so such, such a fun, unbelievably good song um, that I'm going to have to go with uh, tomorrow. I'm taking Animal. I'm taking Tomorrow, like, Love Animal, but I just can't go against it. Well, then, that gives an interesting dynamic before we uh, uh, move on here uh, on the Great Metal Standoff. So, uh, 2-0 Pearl Jam for me. Uh, Salme, I believe it is two, it's 2-0 two for Frog Stomp. Mm-hmm. Jacob, it's a tie. 1-1. One, one. Mm. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme. 
let the games like begin. I've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> Fault line versus daughter. This one's a bit tricky, personally. Is it? I I think this is one of the easiest ones here. Daughter every day of the week. Easy pick daughter. Okay. I like Faultline. Don't get me wrong. I think Faultline's a fine song, but Daughter is one of the most interesting songs um, on Pearl Jam's entire uh, discography. And it's almost a precursor to some of the softer stuff we'll see later on in their career, Uh, specifically in Vitology and um, in Lightning Bolt, even later. Uh, This is obviously an acoustic, softer track. The way Eddie Vedder flows with the acoustic, it adds so much. The lyrics themselves, they keep you interested because it is, uh, I think, as we mentioned during the um, 10 to and never mind. A piece of storytelling. Yeah, he's a storyteller, not a lyricist. Um, The pre-chorus is amazing. Uh, When when the beat kicks in, finally, it's super, super fun. Uh, Vedder in this whole entire album, actually, seems to have a more chill um, vibe to him. And this is probably one of the best examples of it because it comes uh, after two fairly um, heavier tracks. And this feels like like a nice shift in taste. And this is where you feel, feel a lot more of a, uh, a quote-unquote country classic rock feel from Pearl Jam. And it does have a country timbre, doesn't it? Mm, I actually quite like that. I think country solos, country rock can be very, very, very good. Um, well, you did listen to Nickelback. Okay, I walked into that. I walked into that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even the, even the ending of this song um, is interesting and it's... As I mentioned before, the countryside of it, that solo is very much a country rock solo uh, mixed with a grungy feel. And that solo itself is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, There's no way around that. And as we mentioned the lyrics before, the lyrics are very, very dark. I'm not going to get into them because of how dark they actually are. But again, storytelling throughout this is phenomenal. It's so good. This this song is one of the best. What do you got Mm. to say, Salome? I actually made one of the exact same notes as Jacob, which is funny. I'm about again, it was uh, how you put it in Dirt Ten, never mind. So eloquently, Jason, about Eddie Vedder is an narrator, not an, not a lyricist. And I think again, there's something a little bit in common with the two songs placed at track three. They're both like beautifully tragic. Um, you know, as Jacob said. Daughter is quite dark. Faultline is also quite tragic in its theme, but for different reasons. The name's a dead giveaway. It's a song about the magnitude 5.9 earthquake that hit Newcastle in 1989. Uh, So the band members would have been about nine years old at the time that that went down. So, you know, Newcastle, it's not the biggest city in Australia by any means. So that event would be huge news. It's not hard to imagine what led them to write a song about it, even though it didn't affect them or their families directly. Like it, anything like that happens in the town you grow up in and it's going to stick with you. Uh, 50,000 buildings were damaged, 160 people were hospitalised with injuries and worst of all, it killed 13 people, including the young boy that Daniel Johns has written about in this song. Um, and it's, the lyrics are really simple but really haunting. Like You'll never see him open his eyes, you'll only hear his heavenly cries. It's very simplistic, but it's quite haunting, especially with those oohs in the chorus. And I think it's the first glance into the versatility of Daniel Johns's voice, which we really don't see, not even really through Freak Show. It's still quite angry and growly. But then in Neon Ballroom, we explore more into that. But this was kind of that first take into 
he's you know he's more than a, a kid that got lucky he can really sing he's got a good, great voice so it was again a change of pace similarly to what daughter was for Pearl Jam so interesting placement for sure fault line for me I don't know about you that was a song I think I preferred the vocal delivery on the verses than I did the chorus but of course that melody uh the ooh woo woo chorus if we're talking about that for an impersonation gee Jeez. But uh, that that does get ingrained in your head, the oohs and the chorus. But the verse vocal lines are nothing to sneeze at. I kind of prefer it more than the chorus is, uh, if I could speak properly. Um, talk to me about that uh, change up towards the uh, second half of Fault Line, because that's a, it's an interesting change up. Yeah, it is. Um, we were just talking about Pearl Jam's breakdowns, uh, but it, it, just, it just switches pace completely and it, I think it reminds you that you're still listening to a grunge album with that like that bit. It's it's it just turns from quite melodic to chaotic really quickly. Could it be symbolic of an earthquake? Well done. I yeah, I think so. Newcastle would have been all peaceful, and then all of a sudden, yeah. And do you think the uus are kind of they're symbolic of you know the cries that keep coming up through the choruses? Not quite sure. Not quite sure. No, Not quite that's, sure. That's what, I, that's what I get. They are quite haunting and like they could be coming from a distance um, from a collapsed building, but that's a pretty dark way of looking at it. Okay. I'm going to see if I can try and sway him over a little bit more because I didn't mention the, uh, the breakdown in Daughter. Again, <laughs> Pearl Jam, their breakdowns, it goes into a very almost acoustic, uh, it's just better in the drums. Uh, which, as I mentioned at the start, the drums are amazing throughout this entire song. And it's just that softer, um, I don't want to say country, but um, almost alt- alternate rock, um, better, just going through that. And for maybe, what, 20, 25 seconds, it is pure bliss to listen to Vetter, almost in an acoustic situation. Uh, it's almost as if you've caught him at a campfire, just singing uh, like that. It's amazing. There's no way to sneeze at that. Hmm. So, uh, definitively, you're you're giving another point to daughter, aren't you, Jacob? Yes. Are we are we split down the middle again, Salma? Are you going to take fault line? I will. I will take fault <laughs> line. The, the breakdown, the, the ooze. It's it's just uh. haunting, and it's the perfect song to be haunting. This is one I I, I wish I came up with the rule of saying, oh, if we like them both, give them half point each, but we, we don't play by those rules here, don't we? <laughs> we, would never, like, we would never have gotten through uh, the first Grunge Month podcast if that was a thing. Never would have been a full point. Or Soundgarden, mm. an audio slave. Or Imagine a third, a third, and a third. For, nah, nah. Or Bleak I'm Freak versus <laughs> Jesus Christ pose. That would, nah. Yeah. We wouldn't I, I'm there. getting a headache thinking about it. <laughs> Just not. Ah, right. <laughs> What 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 will I seek out before the other? That that's the question I'm asking now. What is the song that I will I will seek out before the other one? And once again, doesn't disservice any of them because both of them are, are top tracks. These ones are actually quite top tracks. Oh dear, oh dear. Is it Pearl Jam? I like the country timbre of daughter, but I do like most of fault line and the the story makes me respect it a lot more that's see this is what this is what's going through my head right now <laughs> anyone got any more fun facts to help sway me mm-hmm. or am i on Isn't my own here fun? 
Like, <laughs> it's almost becoming it's like really- it's almost becoming like a hot seat kind of thing where I need lifelines now, three lifelines, and I've got to use them up already. Why don't you just um, use a fault line instead of a lifeline? Ah, asterisks. Don't win anything. Hold on, hold on. Asterisks, asterisks, asterisks. Daughter. Asterisks, asterisks, asterisks. Daughter. Out on my own. In three the nil. <laughs> three nil to versus. Three nil to Frog Stomp on Solomay's side. It's two one to Jacob. Luckily, I think I'm going to give my point now for the next one. Pure Massacre versus Glorified G. I think Pure Massacre wins this one quite easily. Really? Didn't even make me work for it. <laughs> I, that's really? definitely going to be my first point to Silver Chair. Definitively. That's interesting because um, I actually think Glorified G is better. I like Pure Massacre, but Glorified G is a very, very fun song. Um, especially with uh, how they pronounce pallet gun to me is hilarious and never w- and will never not be. But it's also super melodic. It catches me amazingly. The riff throughout the entire song I love uh, has, again, has that country classic rock feel uh, more so than Daughter did, I reckon. Um, Veda's vocals. It's isn't it? Like, yeah. vibe I got. The vibe I got uh, was that it was the second song in a row that could sound like that could just be a straight-up country song. Fair. <laughs> That's a fair point. Um, no, but the, even the, the breakdown, the breakdown is just, it, it's that same sound, it's the same riff that I just talked about, the, the amazing riff with Veda just saying something in the background. Like, this, this whole album could essentially be, like, you're just going through a week with Veda going on crazy adventures or something. And I'll get more into that later. <laughs> the Maxwell um, Adventures of Eddie Vedder. <laughs> Could be a children's book. <laughs> uh, but we also get rare, rare actually, rare backing vocals throughout this song. You don't hear much of that. But in this song, you do hear it. Uh, and it's really fun. It's, I don't know if it's even more fun than the actual line, palette gun. Um, and then the solo, the solo is great. It's just, there's no way to look past it apart from it being a, uh, just a really, really, really fun song to almost break up how dark daughter was okay uh the band weren't even sure if it worked when they when they were working on it um apparently um feel free to fact check me but yeah apparently i have the same thing like it was a very precarious balance and maybe it is that precarious balance between it being you know quite country quite funk but still essentially a rock song yeah Mm. it's a very strange hybrid but respectable it is a very Mm. respectable song but it's weird. It's weird when you think it's got. There's a hybrid of country. Eddie Vedder makes it a an anthemic rock song. Well, maybe not anthemic. You might need to change my wording on that, Jacob. No, no, I, I get, I get what you mean. You're you're on the right uh, right lines of it. Um, I don't know what I'd say instead, though. It is almost anthemic. Yeah, Vedder makes it a rock song, but there's some funk in the rhythm and country in the guitars, and it is a very strange hybrid. Which, yeah, it, it is quite surprising that it does work out quite well whereas on the contrary pure massacre i think i think that's one of the more catchy ones it's got it's it's another cruncher and in the beginning it has like that mysterious tribal sounding intro there's a lot of instrumentation that kind of has that connotation of evils lurking around the corner Mm, it's very fitting for the theme um and it's so high energy and i don't know if either of you have sought out the video clip 
but the, the video clip's nuts. I think it really works. Uh, it's just this, like, it's it's a gig and people are literally jumping off balconies and stuff. It's, it is a pure massacre to look on, but of course, very <laughs> different as to what it's written about. It's inspired by the Bosnian War. Again, Daniel Johns, it's nothing personal to him, but he just, he said he was, again, watching it on television and went like, this is just pure stupidity. Why is this? It's just senselessness. Why is this happening? And again, he said it in a really, really simple way. People dying for no reason at all. Age is no different if you're large or small. Very, very simple lyrics, but almost catchy, which is strange. And I I can't fault it musically either. Um, Again, it started out quite mysterious and very menacing. And then it just launches into that first power chord after that as you described it, tribal intro, and it's just bang, it's a slap to the face. Uh, absolute, you know, fantastic grunge song. Absolutely love it. Um, apparently it only took half an hour to write. I wish I could be that productive in half an hour. Like, <laughs> bloody hell. Just. Whew. I also did put in my notes, main riff instrumentally sounds like a cinematic fight song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, any uh, any uh, MMA fighters out there uh, looking to work on their craft, when once they make it to the big time, do walk out to that song. That'd be quite. I reckon it might be quite fitting. Uh, no, but the, yeah, my my points going to Pure Massacre. That was uh, that was one that I I did enjoy more than the others. Interesting, interesting. I I'm gonna have to go with Glorified J. Respectable, totally respectable. Yeah. Um. Again, Glorified J. Nothing. Oh wow. Against it. No, nothing against it, but I will be going with Pure Massacre. Ah, the bait and switch <laughs> technique, well played. Yep. <laughs> that make that that makes it four nil for Salome and Frog Stomp. So it's on it's on a roll. It is. All right. Oh, I know. Okay, let's see what we got on the uh, the fifth battle here: Shade versus Dissident. Uh, by the way, Jacob, first thing I wrote about Dissidents: When did Pearl Jam become a rodeo band? <laughs> <laughs> Remember what I said at the start? This is a very eclectic album. Where did you come from? Can't deny that it's pleasing, but still. Mm. Jacob, when did Pearl Jam become a rodeo band? Honestly, at this point, it sounds like this is the moment they started this album. Um, Uh, but I, I think there's no way to look past Dissident. I'm not, I'll admit, I'm probably not going with it here. Shade is that good a song. But I will try and big it up a little bit. Uh, the opening riff through Dissident is just phenomenal, in my opinion. Even if it is a little rodeo-esque. Um, the, the drums are great here. And I think the softer guitar with a softer Veda, again, a very relaxed Veda, is really, really interesting and really catching. Uh, the tone of this song throughout the entire thing is brilliant. It very much understands what kind of emotion it wants to drag from you. Um, Veda and the guitar, at parts they sound like they're having a little bit of like a battle against each other, like one's against the other. But at other parts they come together and it almost um, sounds almost just like friendship after a battle, I guess, rodeo style now. But um <laughs> No, it, it's just that. Then you've got the guitar in the background throughout the verses, uh, another guitar even, just having a bit of fun, playing a little bit every now and then. You've got, uh, again, that country feel, but the way Veta sings it, it, it doesn't really give it the same country feel that uh, the last two songs have had. Uh, the breakdown I like quite a bit. I do admit it's a little bit plain, but it's still good. Um, and again, this is just another really, really, really fun song from Pearl Jam. And this one to me is better. 
this is the song I can picture Vetter having the most fun singing. Oh yeah, passionate Vetter is best Vetter. But especially if he's Shade. ever bought a horse in a rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> See, part of this adventure, he stopped off at the rodeo. Now, there we go. <laughs> uh, but again, I, I just, as, as, as I did say, it's up against Shade. Shade is maybe my favourite Silverchair song ever. Wow. Maybe. Gee, in my book, that's a hot take. Oh, interesting, interesting. But I reckon the op- the opening is amazing. Uh, when it kicks in, the vocals are amazing. Uh, the It's very top hat heavy at the start. Sorry, hi-hat even. And that works for it. Uh, the vocals are great. Again, uh, the flow of the song. Oh, this is one of the best flowing Silverchair songs there are, I reckon. Uh, look, I could go on about it, but I feel like Solomay is sitting there waiting to go even deeper than I can. You were doing an admirable job, though. Um... Like Shade, it, it's just a beautiful song from start, middle and finish. Um, similarly to Pure Massacre, it has very simple and to the point lyrics, but the difference with Shade is that they're so much more relatable. Not everyone has experienced the horror of the Bosnian War, but plenty of people have felt alone and hurt and like they need to talk to someone but just can't bring themselves to or find the right words. And I love like the guitars are so melodic. Um, it's it's really really heartfelt, and I think there's a lot of depth to the vocals as well. It just keeps like roller coastering. I like that that little solo. It's very like kind of thick guitars, and then that little bridge, and then when Ben Gillies just brings it up again with that. Um, it's one of my favorite songs to listen to in the car to come in and like tap the steering wheel with that drum like that. That just brings it into that final chorus, and then it it brings that little bit of grit back into it. And the the song just does not stop building until that peak. It's like a perfect wave, just cresting, 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 and then bang. Uh, it's, I think it's uh, my, it was my dad's all-time favourite Silverchair song off that album, actually, when I was a kid. So I did listen to it a lot. Um, definitely a fan fave. Now, I have to ask before anything else, you mentioned that solo. I, I live for that kind of solo. That was perfect in my mind. Uh, it does have a soft I don't want to say classical rock because I've said that a lot, but it does have a softer feel to it. But when listening to it, I couldn't help um, try like try and attach it to another band to look for other bands it sounds like. And for me, the band that keeps coming to my mind was the Eagles, uh, you know, of Hotel California fame. Um, mm. I kept getting, it sounds like a solo that they do. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, the Eagles solos are some of the best ever, but I couldn't help but look past it and go, Ooh, and then, as you said, it goes back into that heavier rock again. And that is, it just catches you back into it, which... It's, it's kind of like tomorrow. They just flawlessly transition from the softer to the heavier. It's, mm. oh, that song gives me goosebumps. That, that's, this is the goosebump track off Frog Stump. Oh, right. I just <laughs> said it was laid back. Pretty simple. <laughs> it was fine. Solo is easy listening. If it was if it was if it was a house band if it was an acoustic house band at like a restaurant or something like that I'd be quite happy with it, but um and the end, fair play to the ending, that caught me off guard and I quite enjoyed it but um I don't I don't want to sound like an ass but dissonant wins oh the rodeo song the rodeo <laughs> song wins that one the rodeo song beats the house band yes. And we're and, and we're com- we're comparing a solo written by fifteen year olds to Hotel California, are we, Jacob? You know what? I am. I wow. really am. Wow! You know, so, <laughs> Silver Chair and the Eagles. There we go. There's the link. Oh, no, I, I 
Okay, fair point. I respect it. Nah, dissident wins. Where are you guys going? Shade. I'm hiding in the shade. Shade it is. So I'm on my own here in the dissident. But hey, that's it's all all cool, fine and dandy. It's one hell of a debate. Moving on now to Leave Me Out versus WMA. Frog Stomp versus 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 versus. That's going to be very tricky for me to get into my head as we go along. But Leave Me Out versus WMA is next. What are we thinking? So you guys remember how I was talking about uh, this, this very much feeling like Eddie Vedder's big adventure throughout the world. Uh-huh. The way this song goes with its, uh, I, I don't want to call it a steel drum. I'm not, I don't think it is. It's definitely a different kind of drum that they use for this. Um, but the almost jungly feel to it, uh, it does feel like you're walking through a jungle and you're, as you continue throughout the song, you've stumbled upon like a, a tribe or something and Eddie Vedder just happens to be there. And he's just doing his Eddie Vedder best. And it is great because this song, it does have that jungly beat to it. The drums are unique. The guitar is very, merry, very, very fun. It's admittedly probably not the best song on this album. When it no, kicks I'm with up, you on that. It's mm-hmm. still very, very good. Um, I did find this song, it did feel a little trippy, but I'm not exactly sure why. Um, I couldn't put my hand on it. Uh, finger on a hand on it, whatever. Um, and one part I super, super, super loved about this song, though, was at some point there's a lot of chanting that comes into it in the background. And okay. this is part of where that tribal part comes into my mind because it's very, you know, jungly feel tra- uh, chanting. But mm. that mixed with Veda uh, doing everything he can and this strong bass, this unique uh, drum set, um, this really fun guitar. And what is honestly, again, another part of this really eclectic mix of songs, a very hard to pinpoint what genre this would fall into type of song. So I, I reckon just on my immediate thought, this is the better song. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think about Leave Me Out there. Pretty standard. I want to say about WMA. Yeah. It, I feel like Eddie Vedder has, you know, those groups of, people who sit on the beach playing bongos in a circle. I feel like that's what he stumbled across on his adventure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he won the lottery is such a perfect summary of white privilege. And that's particularly prevalent, but musically I couldn't vibe with it too much. Theme wise. I loved it. There was some really interesting stuff happening, but you said it was a bit trippy. I think it was a bit too trippy for me. Hmm. Interesting. I very much agree with uh, Jason, though, with Leave Me Out being okay. Mm. This feels like a filler song to me. It's It's not bad in any way. It's just put it up against any other song in this album and it feels boring. It feels almost just like it doesn't stand out. Um, As I said, it's all good. It's just that's as far as it goes. It's good. Whereas WMA is unique, fun, um, a little bit trippy. It it feels like it's trying something. Yeah, I think like Leave Me Out is definitely like the low point of Frog Stomp. And it definitely it took me it took me a while to kind of grow to love it. It's probably just my super fan in me that that it, that got there. Like I really like the heavy quality of the riffs and the drums. They're, they're just relentless. That's what I that's what I love about it. It's I think it's hard because it comes after five just top songs in a row. So it did have to go down to that point eventually, I suppose. It doesn't, I, like, it doesn't mean that I don't like it. Um, I think it, 
it pips it to the post for me just because like I said, musically, I just don't really vibe with what's going on in WMA. Whereas at least leave me out, even if it is a bit stock standard, like it works to me. Whereas WMA, like you said, it's fun, but I just can't really, I wouldn't hurry back to go and listen to it. I'll give credit mm. where it's due. The fact that it drops out and it has that little atmospheric portion in the song before it then hits the end. It confused me and I wasn't a fan, but I think, would you say that that's a fair connotation of loneliness, which connotes to the title, Leave Me Out? Mm. That's actually one of yeah. my favourite bits of the song. <laughs> nah, wasn't a fan. Divided again. Oh, yeah, well. no, I, I think, look, the, the, the windbreak was fun, but it's only really fun as that surprise, like, oh, wait, what? I thought the song was still going. Oh, wait, no, it is, type of thing. Like, it's cool the first time. And after that, it's just, it's there. Yeah. But um, at the same time, I know you're all big. Uh, how much of a fan did you say you were of WMA? Because I'm only giving it the point just because of the curiosity that came with listening to it. Because I think that song drags on for a bit too long. Appreciate the percussive nature, but it goes on for a little bit too long and it's not really a favourite. I I very much agree. I think... WMA, if it went up against pretty much any other song, it would have lost. Um, but it kind of stands out because this is very much just, you've got a very unique song that goes on a little too long versus a very arguably boring song that needs to experiment more. And to me, I would prefer something that you know catches my interest in, oh, look what this thing's doing special. Whereas, Makes you curious. Yeah. So it sounds like we're in agreement, aren't we, Jacob? That we are, WMA for me. Samo, where are we get where are we leaning? You're leaving me out in the dark. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna stick to that side. Um, yeah. Sticking to leave me out. Mm, stick with what I know. Sticking with what you know, no worries. So uh, we'll do a quick score check here. It's it's actually quite vastly different, and I think do you know what, Jacob, you might be the one being the deciding factor in this one. Surprisingly enough, with my score being five to one in favour of Pearl Jam, six to nothing for Frog Stomp on Salome's side, where Jacob, as mentioned, it's four to two. I think you might be the deciding factor here. Do you remember what happened last time I was the deci- deciding factor? It was uh, you, uh, me, and Tap. It, it was, uh, yeah, Iron Maiden versus Master of Reality. And before we give the results away, be sure to check that one out because that was actually quite a fun uh, podcast. It was the first one we had done, or I had done specifically in about seven months. So it was a nice to, it was a nice streak breaker, to be honest, Jet, with you and Tat on, on board for that podcast. Hmm. Let's hope we don't have a, um, a, re- a repeat here. Be sure to check that podcast out so you can understand what we're talking about because, plus, it's also a really fun conversation. We've got a tap to discover Iron Maiden. Now, before we move on in this battle, as mentioned at the start of the podcast, this uh, discussion will involve talks of mental health and suicide that may be distressing to some listeners of this podcast. So, uh, I would like to move on into present time just so we can give you the timestamps for when this conversation ends. So if you wish to not listen to that specific conversation, you may do so. Uh, Also, just be sure to keep in mind that there are helplines that can help you out and give you support if you need it, such as Lifeline at 13 11 14, Beyond Blue at 1 300 22 46 36 and Kids Helpline at 1 800 55 1 800. So we'll go. We'll just move into uh, the post-production portion of the Great Metal Standoff, so we can give you those timestamps should you not want to listen to that particular conversation. 
So here are the timestamps for the people who would prefer to skip the discussion of the next two tracks, but would like to continue listening to the battle's conclusion. To those people, feel free to skip to 1 hour 2 minutes 29 seconds to continue listening. Moving on now uh, to Suicidal Dream versus Blood, Frog Stomp's Suicidal Dream and versus Blood. Uh, let's put it this way. it's a very Suicidal Dream is a very mellow, uh, stagnant track, whereas Blood is a very intense song. So we'll get the intensity out of the way first with Blood. Jacob, you'd be the expert on that. Let's talk. This is an awkward one because I'm actually not the biggest fan of Blood. I think it's good. I don't in any way think it's bad. I think it, um, it, look, I mean, if we were talking about filler just before, this song is very, very much a filler song within verses to me. It, it's good. It's not great. There are some things I definitely like about it. Um, Veda happening to go from the super guttural, um, almost, I want to say Alice in Chains style yelling that you'd hear from anyone else. Uh, the wah, wah, wah sounds that you find in it. I forget what they're called off the top of my head. Uh, there's a busy opening. It's something I kind of like in it. Uh, the drums and the bass are still very, very good. The uh, riff in the chorus is heavy and fun. Uh, and then it goes back into soft Veda, which I think, as I said before, I'm a big fan of when Veda calms it down a little bit too. And somewhere in there, there was a, there's one chord or note or something in there that catches me because it happens for such a short amount of time but it's so jarring, but good jarring. There's this little note, which I think, look, to me, it reminded me very much of Pink Floyd, um, pretty much any song by them. Uh, and it just, that, that chord, if the song did more of that, I would be all over this song. But again, it's a song that's everywhere, it has a weird ending, and it's not all too interesting to me. In contrast, Salome, Frog Stomp song. Suicidal Dream, um, it's actually one of my top songs on Frog Stump. Uh, I think similarly to Shade, uh, you know, we talked about how Israel Sun and Pure Massacre are the crunches, whereas those are the ones that kind of just keep building and building, which they're very much setting the foundation for when Silverchair became more experimental and dramatic in later albums. Um, but yeah, this song, it actually went on to be a staple of Silverchair live shows in the mid to late 90s. Um, and again it, again, it was one of those tracks that wasn't necessarily personal, but it's just really haunting the way that the lyrics just cavalierly discuss such heavy matters. And it's really, really to the point. Um, really blunt. Yeah, it's super, super blunt um, to the point that it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it just haunts you the way that it's said. But musically, like it starts and it ends on kind of that same feedback note. But all through the middle, it just, it builds like you described the first couple of verses and chorus. They're quite mellow, almost all on the one level. And then it builds up again in that bridge. And then it gets to the point where you've gone from having mellow, calm Daniel John's voice to him pretty much screaming it at the end. I think it's a really good scale of the versatility and, and just maturity as well. When you're remembering that they were 15 years old when they made this song, it's scarily good, but also Scary, just plain scary. I, I have to agree. I this song very much has that mellow tone, as you said, and um, it, it does go back up and it does have that um, heavier bit to it. But I think one thing I do really, really enjoy about this song is the tone and how aware of itself it is throughout most of the song. Uh, that softer tone and the drums 
uh, along with the guitar working very, very well alongside those vocals. As I previously mentioned, that's a thing I quite like when Silverchair gets right. It, to me, this is the right kind of mellow song. Um, it, the sound of it is just perfect to me. Um, I would say this is my second favorite song on Frog Stomp and I hadn't really listened to it much before going into researching for this. Um, I've gotten my notes that that bridge is really, really good. Um, and when it, as I said, when it gets heavier, it's still very, very good. I think for my uh, choice here, I'd probably going to have to go with Silverchair. I feel like it's um, the sound of it, if you were to look at it visually, it's kind of like dropping a pebble into a deep pond and it just rippling, rippling, rippling until it finally laps the shore. It's a very deep pool. That's, that's a very, very good way to put it, actually. Where's your point lying, Salome? Uh, I'm also um, not changing anything from what I've done earlier and I'm sticking with Frog Stomp. Could this be the first ever pitching of a shutout here on the Great Metal Standoff? Oh. I, I don't think it's happened yet. There have been some comprehensive victories, but I don't think we've had a pitch a shutout as such. Don't tempt me. Well, what was that? Don't tempt you. Don't tempt me. <laughs> I'm I not, like I'm... breaking a record, but <laughs> I won't let it... I won't let it... <laughs> I will not let it affect the integrity of the debate. Um, do you know what? I'm probably going to subvert from you guys again because I did find enjoyment because I put in my notes for blood, there's a bit of punk, there's a bit of funk, and it all jumbles into one by around about two minutes in out of a two-minute 50 song. And there was some enjoyment I found in that certain section of blood for that reason. I want to take it. Yeah. I'm glad Jake appreciates that. The Pearl Jam super fan likes that. Likes that argument. I, I think that might be where I was talking about before with the uh, the Pink Floyd esque type of chord. There's just there's a part of it that's completely different, and it sounds like it all melds together. So I think that's exactly what you're talking about, actually. There are some very interesting sonic shifts if you like, for example, listening to really high quality headphones across the left and the right channel in the final. A uh, few seconds of the song, the outro. So yeah, that that, that those are the reasons why I would take uh, blood for that specific battle. You know what? You've swayed me. Have I actually? Oh, You've swayed no, me. No, no. I wow. know exactly what you're on about. I I love this song by Silverchair, but blood oh, is so my good for that moment. No way. Wow. No. I'm going with blood. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> what about the pool? <laughs> How about that? That's. That I did not expect. I really did not expect. I didn't expect that. The Pearl Jam superfan has been converted by uh, an outsider. Wow. It didn't take much. I was on the fence with this one. Okay. Deary me. Oh, mighty. So let's take a look. Let's see how that sway affected the scores. So, Salome, 7-0, Frog Stomp. For myself, uh, that takes it to 6-1 in favour of Pearl Jam. Whereas uh, that, that switch up, Jacob, that point that you originally gave Silverchair that has now moved to Pearl Jam has made your score 5-2. Interesting, interesting. It's slanting. It's slanting. Mm, quite a bit. There's a few more songs to go, so let's have a, a bit more of an in-depth on these. Madman versus Rearview Mirror. I should also preface, Madman is borderline an instrumental track. In fact, let me give you the lyrics right now. Ooh. And Madman. There we go. That's, how, that's the lyrics analysed. Let's talk but, about the instrumentation. 
fun fact, there was a rarity version released later on, which I do own, that does have lyrics. Well, there you have it. Uh, what do we think? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's actually really weird hearing it with lyrics after so long of it just being, oh, that song in the middle that has no words. Um, when I was a kid, it was quite a novel thing. It, it's just a mad song, really, isn't it? Is it better it's, with or without? Mm, I'm almost... Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not the decision I thought I was coming into the arena to make tonight. Well, we can dismiss um, that if yeah, you like. I think I like them both for different reasons, uh, but I guess there's a reason they left it instrumental on the album. Interesting, because in, in my notes, literally in my notes, the last note I have is uh, this song feels like it's begging for lyrics. It's very, very <laughs> good instrumentally, but it's not that good instrumentally that I feel like it can stand on its own. It's a strange um, space to put an instrumental song, isn't it? Track eight. Like normally yeah. people will put it at, like, at the very end as a bit of a novel jam track or that'll be the introduction. But yeah, chucking it in at track eight, um, gutsy move, I suppose. It's interesting. And I, I feel kind of bad for it because it is, it is such an interesting song to have there. Um, of course, being the instrumental piece and it's a good instrumental piece, but there's but another song here. Rearview Mirror, a song Rearview with Mirror. lyrics. Very good lyrics. Review Mirror is so, so good. Um, I'm just going to literally read some of the notes I've got from when I listened to it. Um, so I have, I love the opening riff here. Drums are great. The song has a weirder tone to it, but it works. Uh, when it kicks into the chorus, it's so, 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 so good. Uh, I love the speed. I love the feel of the chorus and how, uh, how it goes after the chorus. Uh, Softer Veta is back but I like the song when he sings heavier as well. The breakdown shows off the solid instrumental work and the bridge and or chorus, uh, it, it's just amazing. And it has this epic feel to it. It's such a fun song. There's, to me, this is one of the better songs on this list. It is a good one. And, and it went on to become the name of their greatest hits album in 2004, which is there a better name for a, reflecting back on your greatest hits than Rearview Mirror? Probably not. I wouldn't think so. Well, you know, once you get to a certain point in your career, the saying goes, I've got more miles in the rearview mirror than I do in front of the windscreen. So, yeah, appropriate. Mm. Um, Jacob, in my, in my notes, I wrote gritty instrumentation. This has probably been used for a montage somewhere by some film production. <laughs> and by the time the lead hits plus solo, the song hits free spirit mode, which... Again, appropriate for something called Rearview Mirror, which is probably one, uh, probably part of the uh, driving playlist that I'll I'll add once this pandemic's over, as we are recording in a stage four lockdown where travelling is restricted at the this present time. So we've talked about it being like a cruisy drive song, but like apparently, again, feel free to fact check me at the end of the studio cut. You can hear. Of Razy throwing his drumsticks at the wall in frustration because he was under so much pressure by the album's producer when recording this track. And apparently he punched a hole in his snare drum and then threw it off the side of a cliff. <laughs> I've heard that he had a bit of a tantrum afterwards, but yeah. the cliff surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, throwing it off the cliff. And it's not like, if you think like, surely it would be an aggressive song like Blood that would make you throw your drum off a cliff, not Rearview Mirror, but there you go. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> Um, apparently Eddie Vedder had issues with it too. He thought it might be too catchy, which I guess it is catchy, but I just think it's really emotive and the, the vocals are flawless. Um, mm. 
it's a beautiful song. And I think that's why, despite the fact Jason's tempted me to uh, set a record here on the Great Metal Standoff, you know, as much as I love Madman as an instrumental track and its novel factor, the lack of vocals is what is going to get Pearl Jam over the line just because the vocals in Rearview Mirror are so, so flawless. I, the last minute and a half of the song where Eddie Vedder's vocals are carrying over that solo, I, I, I just can't go past it. Yes, that, that's something I want to hear more of in all music ever is a solo that continues into a chorus. Uh, and when you've got a vocalist as amazing as Eddie Vedder doing that over a solo that's as amazing as Rearview Mirror's solo, it, it just stands out in such an amazing way. I remember uh, re-listening to all of this. I hadn't heard Rearview Mirror in a while, actually. And I heard that and I was just flushed back with, holy crap, this is amazing. So yeah, Rearview Mirror for me. This sounds like all three of us are on, are on board with each other on this one. I think are we all going to take Rearview Mirror here, aren't we? First... Uh... Yep unanimous decision for this entire session coming in at track eight we are unanimous rearview mirror has defeated madman yep unanimously this probably is the first and only time we're going to be in full agreement all three of us on for the rest of this battle um, that's gonna be my prediction going forward i don't know about you but that's mine because i've actually got a prediction for you i've got a prediction that the next battle should be unanimous as well okay let's work that out then you Undecided versus Rats. Okay, let's look at Rats and let's look at how funky this song really is. Uh, Vetter was interviewed about this song and he was asked what it means and he literally said that the song is, uh, in his mind, about how rats are probably more admirable than humans. It's an interesting take. I don't know if you'd call it a hot one. Pessimistic. Um, but It's a very Eddie Vetter thing to say, isn't it? Mm, but I think this song stands out because it's very much... This is all. This song to me is... What if you just walked into a jazz club and you found Pearl Jam up there? This is what they'd be playing. This is jazzy, funky Pearl Jam. Uh, you get it in the, the vocals. That, um, the, there's a really interesting lower bit of vocals there that I'm pretty sure um, backing vocals used that I adore. Uh, there's Vetter in this. If you, if, without Vetter, this song is amazing. And I reckon without Vetter, this song still beats out Undecided, which is saying something because Vetter adds a lot. Uh, and to me, this song is the perfect funky, jazzy, grungy song to me. I don't think you can look past this. Salome. Yeah. Um, I was actually, I was going to talk about the lyrics to Undecided, but I might be preaching to the converted here. Um, I really like the metaphor of the candles lit at both ends now. It's such an expressive way to discuss, you know, the difficulties of, parents splitting up which is of course the main theme um fortunately it's something i personally haven't had to experience but i think it's a really articulate way of how someone would feel that you're just burning at both ends and you're in a rush to make all these decisions that you really don't have the capacity to make um and they it's actually silverchair have two songs called undecided which is another little fun fact one was released uh, as a b-side to abuse me in 1997 uh, but it's actually a cover of the Master's Apprentices song of the same name. So just a little bit of background. I know uh, Jacob likes a cover. Um, I do, I do. But I, yeah, I just really, really like the kind of like grunty, like undecided, like towards the end. It's, it's very, very grungy. It's not to take away from the groove of, um, of Rats. Like you said, it is a very groovy, groovy song. And it's almost like a reggae-like bass line. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, 
And I think like the closing lyric, um, Ben, the two of us need to look no more. It is actually an opening line from a Michael Jackson song. So very uh, mm. weird connection there, but I guess he was kind of funky and it's a funky song. So definitely hmm. it's, it's closer to me than I think it is for you. Actually. I'm a little I, bit I think I'm, undecided. I think I'm also <laughs> going to point out that my notes aren't too nice to undecided. I very much see it as not filler, but very plain. I feel like this is another song that kind of, it melds in with a few other songs and can get lost out very easily. A bit um, like Leave Me Out, score. right? Yep. Yeah, I think it's, we're on the same wavelength then, Jacob. I can see why one would say but, that. Again, I think it's the super fan in me that's inching towards it. Now, I'm going to throw a hot take out here. I reckon Silverchair didn't uh, get a full album of good songs out until they uh, got to Freak or Neon Ballroom. I reckon this song is, sorry, this album is filled with great songs in between it, but there are enough filler songs and songs that feel like they meld too far in between to really stand up next to those two. Hmm. Warm take. Warm take from the Silverchair expert. (laughs) Explain why that's warm. I think it was just a, a lack of maturity. I don't think the filler songs are bad. I just think that they grew so much between each album and they took it in such a different direction every time. Uh, Oh, definitely. Even though Freak Show was still one of Silverchair's more grungy albums, even the the differences between Frog Stomp and Freak Show, they're they're really, really apparent. Um, So I think that's why we can't judge Frog Stomp too harshly. It was just a completely different Mm. sound to their later work. Um, So that's, yeah, that's why it's only... A warm take because I can un- I can understand why someone would say that, but it doesn't necessarily mean I agree with it. Yeah. And need yeah. we repeat? They're fifteen at this point. Mm. Yeah, it, like, it's it, very hard to say that they're doing the wrong thing because they've done yeah. better than I did. Yes. Um, yeah. Clearly. How would a, every fifteen-year-old just has a whole album of songs stashed up their sleeve? Don't they? I've legitimately thought in in the making of this podcast that if I was their age in 19, if I was born in the 80s and it's like 1995 and in high school, I reckon I would think Daniel Johns is the greatest badass in the history of music, just as like if I was his age at that time listening to Silverchair. Like, I, I'm, I'm sure it would be. I'm sure. But uh, no, no, Jacob Ratz wins. Yeah. And you, Solomon, are you still going with Undecided or are Yeah, you... I've, de- I've decided to do Undecided. It, it's close. It's close. Oof. Um, you know what? That somewhat surprised me. Leave Me Out and Undecided are my bottom two off Frog Stomp. And just by Jacob's monologue at the beginning of that battle, it kind of sounds like we're, we're on telepathic uh, contact. Pretty much. Point. Pretty much. They're not bad, but they're not anywhere near as good as the rest. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that warm take from Jacob in that last battle, it, uh, most of this battle is now in our rearview mirror. So now the finish line is in the horizon and we're going to get ever so close to it as we continue on. We're now at the penultimate song on, fro- on Frog Stomp, but we have three tracks remaining on verses. Let's get to them. Cicada versus Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in a Small Town. That's Pearl Jam's longest title, I'm sure. Jacob, you're the specialist here. Is that their longest title? I'm not 100% sure if it is. It's definitely up there if it isn't. But um, I think this is the most literal uh, title they have because this song is literally about an elderly woman who is stuck in her hometown um, and has been her entire life. It's, it's an interesting idea. And this song, it's another acoustic piece, uh, more acoustic-ish piece. Yes. Uh, it starts acoustically. Um, it keeps that soft, better 
uh, more hi-hats throughout the uh, entire song. Uh, the drums are good. The guitar's good. Uh, the feeling and the tone of this song is very, very, very calm. And I had it actually pointed out to me before recording, of course, that this song might share a couple notes with uh, Jeremy from 10 because there's ah. quite a few points in it where you can very smoothly see yourself almost, I guess, transitioning into um, Jeremy. So that could be why I like this song as much as I do. Because to me, after hearing that, I can't help but hear a less uh, less dark, less deep version of Jeremy that's done acoustically, which is not a bad thing. That's a very, very good compliment. So I, I think it's that. This is also such a fun and boppy song as well. The acoustic feel is an interesting little breakup between what we've had in the past. As I said, this is a very eclectic uh, album. So it's nice to have another acoustic piece in this style uh, appear where it is. And it helps the album, I guess, considering it has a few more pieces to go, feel kind of spread out, if that makes any sense. So I, for my money, I reckon I'm probably going to go with Elderly Woman Behind a Counter in a Small Town. <laughs> uh, but Cicada is a good song. Here's the hot mm. take from me. My oh. favourite song off Frogstorm. Cicada? My favourite one off Frogstorm. Yep, that's my favourite. How very, how very indie of you. <laughs> it was the first one. Once again, I've only listened to that album front to back once. The first one I, I searched up uh, after that, the first one I wanted to listen to again was Cicada. Why was... Why, what, what, got, what sucked you in? Like, the riffage was more like. fun. There was a bit of storytelling about it, and uh, it was one of the more it was one of the more choruses that resonated a bit quicker than the other ones in my at least in my view. Um, I think yeah, when he said growing up is like a civil war, I think we all felt that. It felt more of like a pump up. That one was the one that could pump you up much quicker and much easier than a lot of the other songs. Just at least in my view, and like I said, it was just fun riffage, and there was a bit of storytelling, and that it was the one that sucked me in the quickest. It's, it's my favourite of Frogstomp. It's an interesting one because I, like, I might have a bit of a hot take here too, actually. But uh, that chorus, I feel like, is the weakest part of the song. I feel like Ooh. it's missing something. I feel like there needs to be some sort of change to almost split the chorus up a little bit more. Because That's a hot listening one. To it, <laughs> I hot like one. the verse quite a lot. I love the verses, but the chorus just sounds like another verse to me. And it almost just gets to a point where it's like, okay, yep, this is starting to drag on now that you've had uh, so many verses and in my opinion no real chorus that da, 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 da. what about that that kind of brings it all in i don't i like that bit but it doesn't it doesn't it's not enough for me if that makes any song any sense this feels like it's missing something something small would make this the best song on this entire album but because i can't feel that i don't feel that pump up i don't feel the interest in that i can't get into this one Oh, but that's that solo shreds as well. That's like the highlight um, because you got that that third verse that it changes it up and it just goes that like dun 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 dun, and then it goes into that solo. That is just oh, one of yeah, the better the solos, solos on this album. The solo is great, and I will and, say to this song as well that uh, sorry, I cut you off, but um, I will say the uh, vocals fit with the instrumentals again. Another thing I like when Silverchair does right. Oh yes. Here, here, Jacob. Here, here. It all blends together quite well on that one. Uh, but th- I think we're differing on that one. I'm taking Cicada hands down. Even though, elderly woman, I'm not saying the full title because it's just going to get a bit. <laughs> it's going to get a bit silly towards the end. 
that I'm trying to work out which one's better or at just from a, from the Pearl James perspective, is it elderly woman or daughter? That's the better ballad. Cause they're both really good. Oh, I think I could probably answer that for you in saying, I reckon daughter's better. Okay. But elderly woman is very, very good. It is. Ooh. It really is simple, simple ballad, but just the catchy line of, you know, man, they fade away. Just the harmony of that, you know, Hearts oh. and thoughts, they fade, fade away. Oh, I've literally gotten my notes how much I enjoy the way he sings the words fade away. The yep. way that's done is just, it's, he could sing that for the rest of his, uh, for the rest of what would have been his career. Um, <laughs> and I would have been okay with it. Well, to, to quote Daniel Johns's at this point in time, future wife, Natalie Imbruglia, I'm torn. Uh, <laughs> Because I really, really like both songs. This is the hardest battle of these two albums for me since back at track two. Ow. Like, I grew up in a small town and I think everyone who grew up in a small town, that elderly woman was there. Even if she wasn't elderly or a woman, there's just that person in the town everyone knows. And it's, it's really beautiful and melodic. Like those gorgeous lyrics, like memories are like fingerprints slowly raising and cannot find the candle of thought to light your name. Um, and my bit that I made the effort of writing down was I love the way Eddie Vedder sings, I just want to scream hello. It, it, it's so rounded and full of depth. Um, I feel like that point I went, he could front a band of any genre at all, like from that bit, that just proves it. But then Cicada, just, oh, it's really... I'm starting to feel that Jason, I wish there was a half point system <laughs> here because it, it's such a shredder. Like, oof. What are you going to take? What are oh. you going to take? I, By the way, Jacob, would... just before you make that final answer, Jacob, uh, you confirming elderly woman. Yeah. Elderly woman. It is trans increasing that score. It's increasing the score. Goodness great. Who would have thought I'd be the one on the fence at this point? Like Cicada is one of my all-time favourite songs, but Elderly Woman hey, is just... I just said it. It's my favourite off Frog Stomp. It's one of mine too. I see why. Um, oh, far out. Elderly Woman? Ask me tomorrow and I'll say Cicada for sure. So... Okay. So at this point, at this moment, with the asterisks, the all-important asterisks, Elderly Woman is going to is Salome's point. There's like a hundred asterisks there and I can feel my heart cracking because I love cicadas so much. The cicadas <laughs> are stripping my skin bare. Oh, part of me is half disappointed because I thought we'd be sharing that one. Ah, oh, well, that's okay. I'll change it. Hey, oh, hold on, no, no, I'm not here to influence. I'm not here to influence. I'm the one, I'm the outsider here. Yeah. I'm the moderator. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not doing it. I'm moving on. I think I have to do it. I, um, Mm. I'm gonna. I'm joining you on the other side of the fence, far out. It's cicada. Cicada. Finally. <laughs> oh my god. Going once. That, I feel like I'm an. I feel like I'm. Fades away. I feel, Jacob, I feel like an auctioneer <laughs> at this point. Going once, going twice, going three times. Up. Oh, is, is that a final answer there? Going it once, is. going twice. Like they this never. The... They never drop the gavel and say sold until it's just beyond repair. Oh, I like I told you I'll change my mind every five minutes on this one. <laughs> Move on. Oh. Like. Which are you going with? Cicada. Okay. This is the second time you've managed to convince the person who thought they'd be going for it to go for that song. Well done. done. Hey, 
I'm the moderator. I have no dog in this fight. You brought this battle upon me. I'm just here to, you know, I'm just here to have some fun. I'm here for the fun. Okay. Final song of Frog Stomp by Silverchair is Find Away, and that goes up an equally intense song, Leash. Oh, this is an interesting one. Fun fact about Leash before we start. Leash has the same... It's sung about the same girl as uh, Why Go from 10. And that was interesting to me. Yeah, you don't really see many uh, songs sung about the same person, um, at least from this time, travel across uh, albums. And not for Pearl Jam either. They're usually Mm. very varied in the amount of issues or people or places or things that they tackle. Can we, okay, so can, with, with Leash, let's talk about the strong opening, right? Because it is a very, very strong opening to me. Uh, how straight well to the, the song, the song flows straight through it. It's very, it, it just flows really well. I think it flows better than a lot of the songs on this entire competition. Um, it's not the best on the album. Again, I think this is a weaker track on the album, but it's still good. Uh, the backing vocals again appear, which it's nice to see more of them because they are very, very fun to hear. Um, I love the wah 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 sound as I've gotten my notes. Uh, Vetter again kills it because it's Eddie Vetter, of course he does. Uh, the bass, the drums, the guitar, the vocals, as I just said. Um, the tone of this song again is good. Uh, the song feels slower to me though, and that's something I quite like considering how heavy it actually is. Did I hear you correctly and say that you thought Leash was a bit more filler? Uh, yeah, I. To me, huh. this feels like a bit more of a filler. I don't want to say filler, yeah. necessarily. It's a bit of a strong But word. it feels like it's on that fence, if that makes any sense. It's, if you took one or two things away from this song, it would be a filler song. Well, that's interesting. It's not, a, it's not a single, but it's not filler. Yeah. I, I preferred it to Blood, just because I think, just from a comparison's Ooh. sake, I preferred it to Blood. Interesting. It was, you know, it I was think to... I preferred it to Blood also. I, it... He just utilizes the whammy bar so well. Mm. But not only that, you know how Vetter has that style of when, when he really lets loose, he, it's kind of like this soaring sonic picture. It doesn't, it, I don't think it happens too much in Leash, but it still gives you that uplifting feel through the vitriol, just the, uh, what's the word? It starts with V. Uh, I had vitriol. the word on me. It's not, it's not vitriol. It's, it's like, maybe it is vitriol, but it's like that vitriol nature nature to it. It has this oh I've forgotten the word. My apologies. We'll get back to that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I think at the moment my point is going towards leash. Okay. But at the same time there is another very, very good song on the other side of this, which is a song that feels very, very strange on Silver Chair, um, compared to what the rest of this album is, because in, in my notes, uh it's fun. Uh, more fun than you get in most of the other songs be honest um which is not a bad thing they're all fun this is a standout um the fun drums it's good guitar the vocals feel a little bit weird but they work um it's an upbeat song it has very very uh, good tone it feels like it understands that it's simple the bridge stands out to me uh but i did say this song feels uh kind of green day-esque and i could see this being used in a early 2000s um teen based movie or something like that this is very much, a, to me, a song you'd find being played at a skate park um, or a surfy little area in that time frame. So I, I'm with it, but... I'm going to fact check myself because I think there could be a reason for that sound. I think Find A Way really brings the youthful innocence back 
I like for, for a lot of the album, it's very easy to forget how young they are, but the end of Cicada slash the start of Find A Way, you hear the producer mucking around on the drum kit and a bit of banter. And it kind of brings back like, oh, it, it really is just a bunch of kids. And I'm definitely not saying that in a bad way. It's, I, you think it would be in a teen movie? I think it'd be great for a car chase. <laughs> it's, yeah, I would say that too. Action. I re, I'm a real fan of that. Um, I'm, I was looking at the, the credits for it because I thought that the reason it might sound a bit more surfy and fun was I thought it might be one of the few songs that was written by both Daniel Johns and Ben Gillies, but I'm actually wrong. This was just Daniel's song. Um, because Ben was definitely the fun guy in the band in that he, he was the one that liked to go surfing down at Meriwether beach. So it's interesting that it wasn't actually written by him when I, now I've fact checked myself. So there you go. Um, I think the similarity between the two tracks between find a way and leash is they've both got very anthemic choruses, you know, like don't give in, don't give in, drop the leash. Like they're very anthemic. Mm. I think both of these songs would appeal to teenagers going through their rebellious stage. And for that reason, I think that's why find a way was one of my favorite songs as a teen. So there you go. On another plus side, I finally found out that word starting with V I was trying to get visceral. Hooray. Visceral. Yep. Visceral. That is the word I wanted to get. It's it uplifts you through its visceral nature. Hooray. I got there in the end. In the meantime, um, you know, find a way. A flaily way to clean your clean your act up to better yourself as a person. Yeah. It's got a weirdly uplifting feel, as well as that mm. youthful, fun muck around feel. As I said, this 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 song doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of the, the album, but it because of where it's set, it's right at the end. It feels like that that palate cleanser. You've gone through this adventure with them, and they're just like, okay, go have some fun now. And you're like, okay, I will. Thank you. Mm, like almost a transition into the following album if you were to go and listen to uh frog stomp and freak show back to back because freak show again it had some very dark songs but it did have some very cheeky ones and find a way has got that cheeky element that a lot of the other songs didn't because they were that bit darker so all in all jacob you you went to leash salve where were you putting your point to oh well i love leash like i said that that wonderful utilization of the whammy bar for those, uh, as Jacob called them, wah-wah sounds. It's raw <laughs> and it's in your face. Um, I think my inner surfy is leaning me towards find a way. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Find a way it is. Uh, I'm taking leash because of its visceral nature. Glad you remembered that word. Yeah. It's always important to, you know, broaden your vocabulary. I remember the phrase vocabulary enricher back in school. So it's always good to, you know, bring that kind of description. I like getting description when talking about music because we're very visual here on Mosh Pit on Sin and the Great Metal Stand-Up. So, hey, it's all in making it as descriptive as we possibly can. Now, uh, Frog Stomp is done, but Versus still has one remain, one remaining. You know what that means. It means the gold star is in effect. So would you seek out indifference again from Pearl Jam's verses or a secondary question if it went up against at least the vast majority of frog stomp would it win I would say so this 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 one uh, in my notes I've got it has an ambient opening a really nice bass it's super soft Uh, that softer better uh, has returned once again this feels like another part of that magical adventure that better's gone on Uh, this feels like a uh, 
uh, a medieval fantasy movie with like a magical forest feel for quite a lot of it. And that's really good. And for an ending to an album, I think as we just talked about, there's a very, very good way to end an album. And sometimes having it be a very different song is a good way to do this. Uh, this song is very relaxing. It's super simple. There is still that ominous feel to it the entire time. Um, and this is just a showcase for Vetter in my mind. This is better being like, hey, guys, look how amazing I am. And listening to it, you're like, yeah, yeah, you are actually. All right. Um, but it's still simple. It has that, uh, it understands its own tone. And to me, this is one of the better, uh, I guess, weirder tracks off this album. I thought it was I the gotta... second album in a row that finished with a dreamy, vibey song. Mm, I made that it note. So we're, we're finally telepathic. Um, yeah, I, I literally wrote in my notes, it's it's uh, versus version of release, which is the closer to 10. I actually got a little bored in the ambient bit and I was kind of like, okay, get to the point. Mm. What's going on? Um, that was just me though. Like it, it, again, it makes it a full circle, like release did on 10, but it... I just didn't really care for the ambient bit all that much. I'd have to be in the right mood. So it sounds like Salome's going no gold star. Mm, no. It's not getting its it's not getting its good job sticker this time. Mm, I just missed the mark a little bit. Ah well. So Jacob, you said the bonus point is gonna go to indifference. I like this one. As I said, I like the tone, I like how relaxing it is, and I like how different it is. And even though it does have that similarity to release to me that's a good thing i liked release i'm indifferent i'm pretty indifferent too you know actually not indifference a bit vague it's more of a 50 50 kind of thing just because i could kind of picture that being the soundtrack to when you're for example in like the middle of an open space stargazing on a clear night that's almost the perfect soundtrack you'd you'd want to have but it's just would is you know is that going to be a frequent listen that was what i thought of and that's probably why i'm leaning no i think i'd mm. i'd sort i'd i'd sort out every other song ahead of it poss- po- quite possibly um there's not one i can really mm, yeah i reckon it's the one i'd go back to last and it wouldn't defeat anything off frog stomp in your in your opinion too i'm guessing mm, no nah, no i don't think yeah. it would well there you go so Salma and i agree we're not gonna at least in my view, uh, I would only really listen to Indifference again if it was a good time to stargaze, but I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. So uh, just for now, Eddie I think Vedder's I'll... Very, Eddie Vedder's campfire very... adventure. Yeah, you know what? This album very much does feel like you've started around a campfire with Eddie Vedder and he's telling you stories. It goes back to how it ha. starts with a breezy song being a campfire jam and this being, as you said, a star watching song. There's a story through this whole album now. I have a bit more respect for it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Well, well, well done, Jacob and Salma. You've just sat through Frog Stomp and the second album of Pearl Jam Versus, and you've ranked every single one. Congratulations, you guys. Cheers. <laughs> so let's, uh, we've got all our tally points up, so now it's time to put them all together and make them grand points, hey? Oh, let's, let's go. Now, uh, just because uh, I was the moderator here, I think I'll give my, my grand point first. So the final results stand at Frog Stomp with a total of two and Pearl Jam with a total of nine. So that's, that's a quite emphatic first grand point to uh, Pearl Jam there. Uh, we'll go to Salome. Uh, that, that's also quite a trouncing. It's 10 to two in favour <laughs> of uh, Silverchair. 
So quite on, I'm guessing that was your prediction coming true, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, let's be real. <laughs> ten, 10 points to two. Wow. Even I didn't expect it to be that brutal. But there you might go. It, it might actually even be 10 to mm. one because I haven't factored in the uh, change of points. So mm. the very quick change of mind. All right. But anyway, silver chair, hands down. Uh, if I accidentally got the maths wrong, I'll correct that in the outro. Uh, Jacob, who has been a deciding factor in previous podcasts, has just made it an, an easy win for Versus by Pearl Jam with 10 points to two. There we go. What can I say? Gives, it's, it's... That gives two grand points to one in favour of Pearl Jam Versus, thus making it the winner. Well, this is a lily pad I'm happy to die on. I'll stand by Frog Stomp forever. <laughs> I like what you did there. This is an interesting one because as much as I do like Frog Stomp, I think if this was Neon Ballroom, for example, it would have been a lot closer for me personally. Um, but again, it's still such a good album. And it, just because I like Versus and more of Versus songs, I can't say, hey, I don't like Frog Stomp because for the most part, I really do. I think that's the same with me in verses as well. Uh, this is definitely not to say I wasn't a fan of it because I, I, I really, really am. So it's just mm. all the, yeah, all the, all the hard truths come out on the great metal standoff. <laughs> the, the hard decisions are made, <laughs> but Hey, let's put it this way. It's probably a moral victory for Silverchair here because let's keep in mind, we're comparing them to Pearl Jam and this album came out when they were 15. That's a fair point. <laughs> Moral victory goes to Silverchair for this. They got compared to one of the greatest bands that have ever lived, at, at least in modern music, I guess. Mm. Definitely, and it was the start of a very long story for them as well. Uh, mm. You know, it, it only went up from there. Um, you know, two albums before they'd finished high school is just obscene. Like, like you said, it's one of those once in a generation kind of things. Yeah. Well, uh, this was a battle that you both had suggested to me to do for Grunge Month. How do you feel now that we've done it? It's a bit relieving, really. I was going into this a little bit worried that um, I'd change my mind or that, you know, there'd be some sort of mystical uh, Silverchair knowledge that I didn't know of or a song that I super underappreciated. But I'm quite confident with how I answered it. And I feel like it's kind of a finale for me on that one. I'm just floating out on my lily pad, I guess. <laughs> no, it was, it was a lot of fun to go back and re-dissect it. Uh, you know, almost uh, what, 20, 25 years later, uh, just over. Um, and, you know, again, 25, 26 years later, they're both still bloody good albums. So really fun to revisit them and pit them against each other. Definitely. And, and if you told me at the start of the year I'd be analysing Nirvana in pyjamas and the magical adventures of Eddie Vedder that I want to explore more of going <laughs> forward, um, I, 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 would, it would, I would be asking you a lot of questions. But here we are, fourth instalment of Grunge Month, and that's where we are. Pearl Jam wins, and I want to explore more because the adventures of Eddie Vedder are just getting more intriguing by the day. Salome, Jacob, thanks for joining. Thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. If this discussion has raised issues with you or someone you know, you can contact one of the following services, Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36, Kids Helpline 1800 55 1800 and Lifeline 13 11 14. We do in fact need to correct an error. Salome's final score was in fact 10 to 1 frog stomp point. 
but that does not change any outcome as Versus, the second album by Pearl Jam, walks away with the win. But as I said in our conversation, Silverchair can walk away with the moral victory since we just compared their debut album to freaking Pearl Jam and they wrote that album at age 15. Easily a once in a generation moment in music. Or is it? Here's a question to take away from this. Do you think Greta Van Fleet in 2018 were launched into the position they were similar to Silverchair in 1995? Perhaps that's a question for another time. That's it for our fourth instalment of Grunge Month. Join us next time for the next battle will be our final grunge battle for the month. To be the first to know when that drops and to tell us who you would have chosen on our Frog Stomp versus versus battle, go to facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod and hear Jacob and Salome on Moshpin on Sin Thursday nights 8pm on 90.7 FM DAB plus digital radio or from your preferred device at sin.org.au. That's syn.org.au. That's all for now. Till next time. Metal up your ass!